Hey guys, welcome to the Virtus Performance Podcast. For all of you guys that have stuck with us for the last 35 weeks, thank you very much. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please share and subscribe. Please hit us with your feedback too. We've had a couple of rad emails and messages over the last, last week or so, and they are very much appreciated, uh, every single one. So to you guys that have sent us some correspondence, thank you very much. If you guys that haven't, come on, get on your bike, sort it out get it done today i sat down with one of my favorite humans uh his name is matt church he is a i guess a manager of a business coaching firm a life coaching firm he's done basically everything there is to to have done he's the the wisest person i've met in a long time and he's 22 years old which for me who's three years older than him it's kind of fucked up because he's way smarter and way better than me so yeah, this is this is a podcast that I am going to listen to four or five times uh, because yeah, a game changer. So I hope you guys feel exactly the same way and get exactly the same stuff out of it. Enjoy. My personal and business goal is to be just a little bit better every day. I believe everyone, especially normal people, have a story to tell. The Virtus Podcast exists to help us all find small ways of consistent improvement by discussing the journey and experiences of each of our guests. Matt Church, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, sir. Pleasure to be here. It's an absolute honour to, to get you on. It's, uh, Stop it. The first time I met you, I was like, i got to get this guy on a podcast. <laughs> and it finally happened. Yeah, and we've teed up schedules. We've yeah, done it. Did very, very well. We did. First question for you. Yeah. What gets you out of bed in the morning? Gets me out of bed in the morning. Uh, helping people squeeze life. Whoa, yeah. Good. Helping people squeeze life. Everything I do is about, like, I love seeing people optimize themselves, like, experience themselves more. And I'm like, I'm a massive, I know, I'm a massive introvert. And like, I don't like spotlight. I hate spotlight. I struggle with being the person who is being looked at. But fuck, I love pe- seeing people. Are we swearing? Is that a thing? Mate, go nuts. You can say <laughs> fuck shit, whatever you want. I don't care. I should have asked that. Treat pre- yourself. <laughs> should have asked that in the pre- pre-run. Um, I, I love seeing people look at themselves and be really, really proud of who they are. What? So you're obviously an introvert, but why do you hate Spotlight? Because you're someone that, like, you're the, the wisest 22-year-old I've ever met, <laughs> by far. Why do you hate Spotlight? Because you would be, I would sit there and listen to you and watch you all day in the Spotlight. It's interesting, because my whole life has been Spotlight. I, yeah. Like, my first sort of experiences were in restaurants and bars in terms of work. Yeah. I was in theatre all the way through being a kid and still still now. I do a lot of, like, stuff on stage. I've been a trainer and a speaker. Like, I've always done things in the Spotlight. But I think because I've like I've always I'm a big introvert and like I've always played characters, which has been something the last I mean we chat about it. it's been something the last yeah. couple of years has been about has been breaking out of that. So I've always been a good like I've been an actor since I was a kid, and I have always been good at not being me with people. Mm-hmm. And so I think learning when I talk about being in the spotlight, I mean being in the spotlight as me. Yeah, as you yeah, because yeah. that because that's I guess a little bit different and probably. It's hard to separate those two, yeah. but yeah. What what <clears throat> parts of you do you feel as though you didn't want to be in the spotlight? Um, 
oh, I think the parts of me that were a little fucked up. Yeah. And I, not big things, but like I, I grew up in an environment where everything had to be seen to be perfect. Okay. You know, it was always like cushions had to go in the right spot and they had to be clean. And if someone was coming over, then everything had to be ready and we all yeah. had to be, it all had to be smiling faces, perfect picture portrait. Yeah. So, and like and that, life isn't like that. <laughs> it really isn't. Yeah. <laughs> it conspires to make that not happen. Yeah. Um, I wasn't okay with that for a long time, for a long time. Um, and so the last couple of years have been really about working out who I am, becoming really proud of that person. And also recognizing this is massive fucking journey. You know, I always say to people when people say like, "What are you about?" I'm like, "Well, I'm just a dude working it out." Yeah, that's all I am. Well, that's what we all are. That's what we We're all trying are. to figure it out. Like, that's why I do this. That's why we 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 got in touch because we just want to. I wanted to meet people like like you who are mm-hmm. just trying to figure it out, like mm-hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. And then we can use our stories and our experiences to be the. I guess our hindsight is everyone else's foresight yeah fuck that's what I said yeah put that on a t-shirt yeah I like that I like that we've got a couple of t-shirts going at this point oh yeah we do yeah we do so if if you were to elevate a pitch who are you outside just a guy that's trying to figure it out yeah um wow that's a big question what I I always struggle with that one what I do like so I'm a I, I see myself as a leader um and with that comes a shit ton of responsibility yeah it does um I'm a leader and I love uh, so like side note what I do is I run a small business consulting firm um, not mine I run it with a good friend of mine um, I'm the operations manager we help coaches so behavioural experts um, people who support people with dating health fitness um, mindset parenting career we help those people build something that they're really proud of that sustains them that can turn into a career yeah. and so I lead a, a team on fucking breathtakingly proud of um, and help and we, we do that we help people cool. you know, be better yeah. that's the way you describe what we do in this podcast and yeah. that's, that's what we do um, for me I see myself as a leader somebody who's on this earth to help people optimise what they do and who they are fall in love with who they are become proud of who they are experience more of who they are yeah. and ultimately be able to help people do the same thing like create that. a ripple effect do you feel as though you as a coach of coaches mm-hmm. need to be all of those things yourself before you can teach other people uh, two parts to that answer yes and need to be okay with all of the parts that me that aren't that yeah the more I the more I accept and become proud of I was saying this to um to my partner last night I am so proud the biggest shift this year has been you know 2017 has been I, I really became proud of what I've got and who yep. I am and that was a scary thing like I'm really proud of, of this looking around which is a hard thing for a lot of people to say yeah which is kind of fucked up and kind of sad yeah that people can't say that they're proud of who they are well, we or can, what they are we're in a world where life can be curated you know where we, where we <laughs> yeah. can have you know like I purposefully nowadays put out Insta, uh, Instagram posts or Facebook posts talking about everything that's not cool about life yeah. You know, like I'm looking when I become like one of my biggest missions around why I do all of this is because I want to be a really outstanding dad, really awesome. outstanding parent. And one of the things that I'm looking forward to when I become a parent is putting out all of the like hard shit in parenting. Yeah. You know, I put up a post a couple of weeks ago, you know, like a good year ago, I got to the point where I was overworking myself, not really recovering, and I found myself like putting away two bottles of wine a night. And I like got three months into that and I was like, 
One. What am I doing? Spending a lot on wine. <laughs> yeah. Two. And you probably wouldn't drink cheap wine, I imagine. No, no. <laughs> Who drinks cheap wine? Um, and so I was like, I have a problem. Yeah. And like a couple of a couple of weeks ago, I put a post up about it on Facebook because just just to share like, hey, as much as everyone's seeing this, you know, doo-doos on stage and training people, also little fucked up. Yeah. Got some shit going on. But I think that's important to be able to like like check your ego and take a step back and go you know what here's how I've struggled mm. and I've found that that vulnerability so important in like we were talking about it before allowing your the people around you to see when you struggle and to not have to put on that that brave face and yeah I'm doing okay just talk to people because everyone wants to help yeah and it's going to be the next wave of leadership so if I look at say 2002 through to now yeah. it, it was a message of building some anything great and that's not just business anything great is going to be hard work hustle and passion and that's been a great message yeah I reckon if, if I look at the thought leaders of today the Ariana Huffingtons Brene Browns even you know people like Elon Musk are starting to get on board talking about how what it is actually about nowadays is like recovering well taking care of you becoming yeah. becoming somebody who can get the most out of themselves taking care of your health you know that particularly in entrepreneurship that was not a conversation yeah. five years ago it was almost probably the opposite it was a uh, Hey, check it out. I'm treating myself like shit to get yep. my work done. Yeah, here's, here's my bin of Diet Pepsi. You know, he, look at it. This is yeah. how hard I've worked. I haven't slept in three days. <laughs> I'm doing really well. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And it's, I think that it, that ability to fill your cup before you try and fill everyone else's yeah. is kind of the perfect. Like it's it's an analogy I use like weekly, but it's so perfect and it's so simple. Resourceful selfishness is not something we do well. No, not ta- like taking care of, you know, I, I hear, especially given that I coach coaches, I hear yeah. coaches all the time telling me, you know, I just want to serve, I just want to give, I just want to like, I, and, and I like, I respect that. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. You, you, we're, there's a direct proportionality between how much we're giving to ourselves and what we can give to other people. Yeah. hundred percent. What are the things that you do daily, weekly, monthly to give back to yourself? Mm. Um, I look at it in three categories. I learned this from um, Jack Delosa, a good friend of mine, somebody I like deeply respect. And anybody listening who wants to see what I just talked about in terms of like somebody who runs something very successful, this is in business, yeah. and who is a preacher of take care of yourself, it's him. Um, I look at it in three categories, mind, body, and soul. And so I start with soul because I made the shift a little while. I'm not a, I'm not a religious person. I'm not really a spiritual person. I'm, like, I'm a bit of a pragmatist. Um, but taking care of my soul has been one of the biggest things that has allowed me to build more, experience more, give more. Um, so like my practices are around, a big part of it's been journaling. I keep a lot in my head. I'm a very yeah. head person. Um, and like, like anyone, who'd be listening, people who'd be listening to this, and yourself included, like we don't stop seeing the world. Yeah. And we don't stop thinking about the world. You know, Like I look at, uh, you know, we're, we're sitting on top of... Um, uh, the building I live in at the moment looking out at the city and I go you know who's in there that tree looks amazing I wonder how that got there you know what's that over there constantly thinking yeah and it's all happening yeah. it's like life's happening around us whether we're paying attention to it or not mm-hmm. and there's always lessons to be learned but I don't think we can learn them in our head yeah and so, put, it, put it on paper yeah so journaling for me is an opportunity to like really because we can't write faster than we can think it's an opportunity to clarify my thoughts and I don't and this question I simply ask myself like what's going on for me right now for my heart for my soul where um, am I at I, st- I stole that question from you when we caught up the other day or a couple of it was about six weeks ago now yeah and stole it and put it <clears throat> so I've kind of tweaked your daily huddle mm-hmm. and that I think I've spoken about on this podcast a little bit before but for every every day and if 
my staff don't want to do it every day, they might do it every second day or third mm -hmm. day. We all put a Facebook Live video up and said, what's going on in your world at the moment? What are you struggling with or blocked blocked on? And what's your focus? And mm. I saw those three things from you. And Mal, I've seen an incredible, I guess, shift in mindset in terms of my staff actually looking after themselves and starting to talk about, hey, I'm not looking after myself. This is what I'm going to do today. But also when people watch them, they, they actually see what's going on in everyone else's world. So it's been, a, been that awesome team building exercise, but at the same time, it's been that awesome you know, self-realization of maybe I'm not talk, taking care of myself enough. Yeah. And I, like, I'm someone that, that all, like all this stuff is exactly what I've been working on for the last six, 12 months, the journaling, the gratitude, the perspective. I'm still not great at training myself. Like I'm someone <laughs> that I got into what I do because I love training yeah. and I like, played like sub elite sport for a long time and now that that's over I'm like well I don't really have any want or will to train but I've got to be healthy for the next 100, 150 years because I'm going to live to like 170, 180 yeah, yeah. Um, that would be my estimate so I've got to figure out what, like, what the hell I'm going to do and, yeah. I've got, and I'm going through that struggle at the moment of mm. finding what it is that will I guess give, light the fire under my bum to actually start moving again and start lifting and running and jumping and doing all those kind of things. Mm. What are the things that, do you just kind of brain dump into your d journal or do you have a, some parameters you follow? I have some parameters. I, I, I try not to brain dump because I, 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 I want it to be focused and channeled from soul. Yeah. So how, it generally starts with today life is. Awesome. It tends to be my first three words. Today life is. And it can be, my only parameter is how I'm feeling is how I'm feeling. There's a, um, a really great thought leader, called, his name is Marshall Rosenberg, and he wrote a book called Nonviolent Communication. Essentially, the principle of it is that we communicate, we learn to communicate through judgments and judgments and thinking. You know, like um, people will say things like, uh, I feel like you don't listen to me. That's not a feeling, it's a judgment. Yeah. <laughs> we, what we don't say is, I feel unheard, or I feel sad, or I feel um, whatever. Okay? Yeah. We communicate, and we we are so detached from our feelings, and and because of that, we judge our feelings. Do you think it's be, do you think it's because we don't let ourselves feel how we want to feel, yeah. and we there's that stigma around I don't want to be sad, I don't want to be the angry person, I don't want to be the upset person, I just want to be the happy person. And we've got so many dynamics at play. Mm. Part of it's what we were talking about before. We you know we have most people have curated lives. Yeah. You know I I haven't I haven't seen people putting up their um. Today, my partner and I had a massive fight when I was sleeping <laughs> in the same bedpost. Yeah. Um, or I don't see, today, today my kids shit me. Um, yeah. Or even like, you know, I see puppy posts everywhere, but what I don't see is like, my dog just shat in my bed. <laughs> we don't put that up. But, yeah. But that's 50% of the equation. Yeah, 100%. And because of that, well, like, all we see is happy, smiley people. And that's awesome. Yeah. We don't see the other side, though. We have a way of, like, our brains are designed, you know, neurolinguistic programming tells us that we delete, distort, and generalize our world based on what we see. Yeah. And if all we're seeing is happy, smiley people, we start to think delusional. Everything should be happy, smiley. Everything should yeah. be happy, smiley. But that's never going to happen. And all pain, all pain, I believe, comes from unmet expectation. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah. All of our pain comes because we're expecting something that isn't being met right now. Mm -hmm. It's not about lowering standards. It's about expecting what's going to happen. Which yeah. is expecting sadness, expecting anger, you know, and being okay with it when it when it comes. It. Yeah, I think that ability to feel how you want to feel and let yourself just be that way mm. is incredibly powerful. Because yeah. if if you want to be sad, be sad. If you want to be upset, be upset. But don't force yourself to be something else because then it's just going to 
bank up and bank up and eventually something's going to blow yeah like whether whatever it, whatever it may be uh, what, how did so you, you mentioned NLP but what are the the areas that you kind of delved into with communication and how have you been able to kind of break it down oh. big question sorry yeah it's okay massive question <laughs> um, like I'll talk about a little bit of my experience so I studied coaching with the coaching institute in Melbourne fantastic group if anybody's interested in that area um no affiliation anymore, so it's not a plug. Um, <laughs> nothing wrong with plugs, man. Nothing wrong. <laughs> don't, don't open Shrink that door. Yourself. Don't open that door. <laughs> <laughs> um, and studied foundational life coaching, um, neurolinguistic programming, metadynamics, neurosemantics. I love learning why we do what we do. Because mm. um, we're, we're patterned people. We, we run our lives in patterns. Yeah. We can understand We try and pattern. find patterns in everything. Yeah. yeah. And we do. Like, you know, I see faces everywhere. You know, there, there's a fire hose reel downstairs, and today I swear it was smiling. Because <laughs> that's how our brains have to work. Because the world, like, if our, our brains are a computer, but they're limited computers, and if they processed everything that was going on, we just explode. Yeah. So we have to, like, compress our world. And sometimes we don't do a very good job of that. Especially because most of us, are, like, all, all of our life is programmed from zero through, you know, seven and nine till, till it's all imprinted. Mm. And if it's not a great imprint, which it almost never is. Um, it almost never is a perfect imprint. We're going to compress our world inaccurately. Yeah. We're going to see things that aren't there or create things that aren't there. And so coaching is, found, is, is fundamentally two things. It's the ability to help somebody see the accuracy of their world and then create a new representation of it. Yeah, I like that. And, th- and that's the most amazing thing about being a coach in whatever area mm. of life it is, is you don't do the work for someone. You don't, you don't put like... I don't get my clients and I don't push them through the weights. I don't push them through the prowler and the, the running and the jumping and the landing and stuff. They have to do it. Yeah. I just open the door for them to be able to do it and be able to do it safely and properly and then they can explore it from there. And yeah. I'm sure you guys do exactly the same thing. Yeah. And that's kind of a really cool realization to come to mm. as a coach, but also as someone who is coached mm. that you've still got to put in the work, mm. but you've got to look after yourself at the same time. And, and for me... I see so many people that move poorly, and we'll talk about that. In a, we'll talk about that at some point. But I see side, so many side note to everyone listening: we've just been at breakfast for the last hour, and we we, we did a pre-podcast podcast. Yeah, we re- I really should have recorded the last hour because it, it was gold. It's probably better than this, to be honest. I'm sorry to everyone that's listening; you missed the good bit. Um, but it's but, not coming back either. But we talked about recovery and things like that. But that's hard work within itself, yeah. I think. And I think if you're like, it's hard work jumping on a foam roller for five minutes every couple of hours, or to force yourself to eat something good and nutritious when you've got no time to do, do it or you don't think you have time. Mm. Um, or well, every, to, everything's in equilibrium. Yeah. And so, like, you know, I, before I started training really, like, well, uh, well, consistently, yep. I thought recovery was super easy because, um, I don't know if you know, but beds are amazing. <laughs> beds are the best. They're the best. <laughs> um, and so, like, I thought I was spending a lot of time recovering. Yeah. And then I started training and training was hard. You know, like um, training was really hard, and then training got easier, and recovery got hard. And I was like, "What the fuck?" Recovery is the, the hard bit. Like everyone, I think everyone can smash themselves in the gym or mm-hmm. go for a run or do that thing, but not everyone. And this is something that I suck at. Like as a, as an, I was better when I was an quote unquote athlete, but I suck at recovery because it's time and it's mindful time and mm-hmm. it's actually spending that moment taking care of your body in whatever way it is. And it's, yeah, it's not the easiest thing to do. But it, but when you do the work, you feel better, you can train more. Every, like, it fills up your cup in every other aspect of your life. 
of your life. Mm. I think like communication comes in comes in many different forms, but how has it shaped you as a leader and how does it help you, I guess, assume or improve everyone else's leadership ability? That's a great question. Uh, fundamentally, NLP, New Linguistic Programming, teaches us that communication is only the way it is received by another person. Yeah. So in saying that, what we intend to mean doesn't matter. Mm. What somebody heard is what we said. The perception is reality kind of, kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. And I say that, like I often repeat that to people because it takes a moment to realize that that means when, people say, when we say the words, that's not what I meant, it doesn't matter. It's what yeah. we said. Yeah. Um, and that teaches us accountability in language. Because it's easy to take responsibility for what we said in the past. Yeah. It's challenging to be accountable for what we're saying now. Yeah, definitely. Really. And to, to, under, to be aware of the fact that just because what we think we're saying makes sense does not mean that the other person's hearing the same thing. Yeah. And, but it's on, it's on us. We, we need to take that, and I wrote this word down because it's one of my favorite words, ownership. We need to take that ownership of how someone perceives what we say. Yeah. And if we're able to do that, then if, and this is something that, like, when I'm talking to mum and asking her to do something at work or talking to my partner and I say, I say something and they don't get it, I'll repeat, like, I'll find myself repeating the same thing. I'll say exactly this, yeah. say it exactly the same way. And I'm like, what am I doing? I'm not changing anything. Yeah. And I need to take ownership. I might say that. it slightly slower. <laughs> <laughs> and it's slightly slower, a little, little bit louder, a little bit more obnoxious. And my diction gets better. <laughs> Can you understand? Which, which is, but it's a really like simple thing, and it's a really easy fuck up that I do like daily. But being aware of it and then taking ownership of it allows, I guess, a change in the communication and mm. change in how it should happen. If if you could coach people in thirty to sixty seconds on on how to communicate better, what would you tell them? On the spot, I like it. What I say. The ultimate empathy is being able to jump into somebody's world and to understand that they have a, their, their whole like world is a universe. Like it's a fucking galaxy. There's an yeah. asteroid belt going on in their brain <laughs> and there's comets flying around their heart and like shit smashing into each other. And it was a big bang at one point. Um, <laughs> or at least that's what a bunch of people think. Um, <laughs> honestly, it's not about getting it right. You, you're just not going to land. I still like, I consider myself a pretty strong communicator and I still will say something to a team member and I'll get a nod a very confident nod and I go cool I tick that off in my head I got a confident nod I'll get them to repeat it back to me and I'll go okay I'm fairly in my head I'm like I'm fairly confident that I'm going to walk away and the thing that I said is going to be the thing I see in 60 to 90 minutes <laughs> and I'll walk back and I'll it, it will not be that and I'll be like and it'll even be to the point where I'm like I don't understand how you took those words and got there yeah I, like where how did you piece them together in that order to get Chinese whispers Chinese like, whisper. between two people <laughs> between two people between one person in their own head yeah. I'm like oh, hey, yeah. how yeah, many exactly. times did you repeat that to yourself and get here yeah um, it's not about getting it right it is about extreme ownership you know I know you and I are both a big fan of the Jocko Willink book amazing um, amazing, amazing. Extreme ownership. If you haven't read it, stop this. You'll yeah. get way more out of, out of the Jocko Willink book. It's brilliant. It, 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 it's, it's fantastic. It's accepting that what somebody has produced is, is what you've said. Hmm. And being aware that like, that's because they've got this whole universe going on of how they filter things. Yeah. Right? If we can be aware of that and empathize with them, just accept that, that people are this whole fucking universe. And so we're not going to get it right. Yeah. But it's not about us getting what we want or what we need. 
not about that all the time. What it is about is about making people feel okay with their universe. Yeah. So in terms of communication, if you can simply accept that they're this whole human just like you are, you're going to do a lot better because you're going to be able to truly, you know, from a coaching point of view, we'd say accurately analyze the response you're getting. Yeah. Actually analyze, are they getting it? And whether, th- whether they're listening or whether they're listening, because they're going to be listening, but whether they're actually able to process what you're trying to tell them. Like if I'm trying to teach an exercise in the gym, as a really, really simple example, mm-hmm. and they're not moving the right way, I need to have some really quick on my feet problem solving as well. Shit, how am I going to get them to do this properly, efficiently, without hurting themselves? How, how do you think... And I'm going to... You're a self-proclaimed dating coach, dating coach superstar, sex specialist. Mm. And this is just, these are things just, that... Jess Ryan, if you're listening to this, you I'm, said a before. Ryan proclaimed, I'm a Jess Ryan proclaimed all of those things. Can talk people up. Yeah, the Virtus community will understand what that means. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so as, a, as a former, I guess, relationship coach, yeah. dating coach, yeah. what did that teach you, one, about people, and, one, and two, about why so many relationships, I guess, break down and fail and, and don't, I guess succeed as well as they maybe should oh god that's a good question he's going to open up a can of fish we I'm just going to go for the big like just load up drop drop the bomb and then we'll talk about it um, we are incredibly bad at teaching people how to love us and like I've done it I imagine you've done it I imagine mm-hmm. plenty of people have listened have done it where a partner has or anyone in our world has done something that has caused friction in us and in our brain we've gone why didn't they know <laughs> not to do that <laughs> And then we will think about that for three to six weeks and then communicate it to them really poorly. <laughs> we, like, tr- like we are incredibly bad at teaching people how to love us. Now, the biggest reason for that is because we don't find out how to love ourselves. Yeah. We are, like, if we, our partners, our partners will magnify what's in, what's in us. There are a couple of things that magnify, you know, money magnifies who we are. Relationships magnify who we are. They point out to us the way we're treating ourselves. Yeah. The way we're communicated to, if it causes friction within us, it's because we're communicating to ourselves the same way and we don't like when we do it. If we can learn to love us, and learn, and that's not philosophically, yeah, I'm in love with me. It's like, what are the mechanisms that make that happen? How are we showing love to ourselves? Do you think it's an ability for people to actually say, you know what, I should love myself? Or do you think it's an ability for people to go, well, I don't know what I need to do to love myself? It's both of those things. It's both of those things. And people, like, now that the self-love revolution is starting to become a thing, there are a whole bunch of people beating themselves up about not loving, like, why don't I love myself enough? (laughs) Like, that's a very... It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's (laughs) it's that negative feedback loop. It's like, I don't love myself enough. Damn it, I don't love myself enough. I suck. I don't love myself enough. And it's just that vicious cycle of not winning. Yeah. And, like, self-love is not tokenism. It's not looking in the mirror and being like, yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. rad. <laughs> You're rad. And it's not, self-love is and it's also not in big moments. It's not when we nailed it. Yeah. We're not experiencing self-love when we nail it. It's too easy. Yeah. We're in the moments where it went well. So how do we treat ourselves when it went poorly? How do we treat ourselves when um, it didn't go our way? How do we treat ourselves when we don't know the answer mm-hmm. or we're uncertain? Those are going to be the biggest, refl- that, that's going to be the biggest learning for us of how we want to be treated. Yeah. Little things, you know, we, we call them boundaries in coaching, is what are we okay and not okay with? You know, if a partner speaks to us a certain way, it's being able to really respectfully go, this is the reason most relationships fail, is because people can't go, hey, I just wanted to let you know that I don't like being spoken at, and I felt spoken at in that moment. 
what we do is go, don't speak at me like that. <laughs> and so we're, we're speaking at them about, whilst telling them not to speak at us, which is how, which is us teaching them how we want to be loved mm. because that's how we speak to ourselves. Don't do that. Yeah. We do the same with, with kids. You know, we, we, we will demonstrate immature childish behavior as adults in order to get them to stop the same behavior back. And they grow up thinking that's the norm. And they grow up thinking that's and the norm. And it repeats itself every generation. Because we have the same thing. Yeah. You know, we, I, I truly believe we have an opportunity to break a major cycle in this generation of parents coming, mm. you know, from, say, 10 years ago forwards. Um, we have a wonderful opportunity to break a cycle of children learning to love themselves because we are starting to learn, you know, there's a lot of study into family dynamics and family, family therapies. Yeah. Um, Virginia Satir is a wonderful example of that. Marshall Rosenberg is a wonderful example of that. Learn, learning about how the, the reason most of us grow up with dysfunction is because in many, in some way we had to parent our parents. We, you know, yeah. we, we had to listen to very adult problems. We had to, like, we had to really handle stuff when we were 12 and 13. Yeah. You know, I, I remember my parents really struggling with, with some stuff around their, their, like, their relationship. They're still together. Um, sometimes I don't know how because, because of the, what they went through when, you know, we were growing up. Yeah. And, like, I remember chatting with my parents about that at 12. Which is a pretty heavy thing for a 12-year-old. But then again, you were working in a bar, I was right? Working in a bar, yeah. So I was chatting with a lot of people about their relationship <laughs> problems. Um, all very, all, all things that a twelve-year-old can't understand. Yeah. And so we we grow up not because we grow up not not we grow up with an uncertainty that we will be taken care of, and that mm. fear carries with us. Yeah. And so in our relationships, mo- most you know people aren't looking for a partner in the beginning. You know, when we first start dating, we're looking for someone to replace, like the hole inside of us that we've got from not feeling like we had really high quality parents who loved it yeah which is a pretty heavy thing to to try and put on someone else especially someone that you're only just meeting yeah and we had you know the, the, it's starting to slow down now but you know through 2000 and you know through the rise of like myspace tumblr all of those like image sharing sites this whole thing of like you know um, i want my other half i fucking hate that i really call it out when i see yeah. it you know what other half i truly you know i i was in a, a long-term relationship you know that finished at the beginning of this year and I came out of it and I didn't recognize myself I didn't know who I was which is a pretty crazy thing to to think that you've put so much dependence and so much of you into someone else that you don't know who you are anymore like somewhat it's pretty heavy yeah I I couldn't because my identity revolved around having this partner and of course the immediate thing I did was started dating again to fill the hole yeah and I kept wondering why nothing was working. Yeah. Like nothing was sticking. Yeah. What was what allowed you to, I guess, progress from that mindset where you are, where you were then, to the mindset you're in now? Started dating myself. Hey. I went out. You know, I'd take myself, and it was very. In the beginning, it was tokenistic, and it yeah. seemed silly. Yeah. I'd take myself to the movies, and I'd like book two seats, <laughs> and I'd have my bag on a seat, and I'd like sit there really awkwardly because I never spent time with myself. Really spent time with myself. Yeah. Um, and I would like go and watch a movie by myself. And I, like, I hate that there's a stigma around that yeah. because, and this is me saying, like, I've never actually done it, mm. but I think it isn't a movie the perfect opportunity to spend time by yourself, yeah. like because you're lost in another world anyway. Yeah, and like we, it's interesting though because we do that so often. Is we will, it, it's a, it's a form of escapism. Mm. We try like the, I started realizing that, so I'm like this is really easy. 
and then I did something like I'd go to St Kilda Beach and sit at a like a you know Beachcomber Republica, which are just packed yeah. with people, and I'd just sit by myself. Awesome. And that was uncomfortable. Yeah. Because I can't escape there. No. I can't get into someone else's world. I can't be anywhere. Did you just else. sit and just kind of people watch and enjoy what was going on or watch what was happening or just sit on your phone? In the beginning, I sat on my phone. Yeah. And then when I realized I couldn't bring the phone with me, I got super restless. Yeah. You're like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? It's, it's, it's sort of like um, when I started doing cold showers, started doing cold, hot immersion. Yeah. Um, like I'd, I'd be in a cold shower for 10 seconds thinking, it's been three minutes, it's been three minutes, it's been three minutes. <laughs> And I started doing the same now. I'd be like, fuck, it's been hours. I'd look, like, it's been four it's been minutes. Like eight minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and slow, really slowly, I learned, and it wasn't so much a strategy, it was just this thing that started happening, was I, I became really calm. Mm-hmm. I was able to sit there and be. And I have to think about things and not have to have something to think about. Have something to do, have someone to meet, have someone to talk to. Yeah. You're just able to be within yourself. Yeah. Which is pretty, pretty important. So... If you were to throw a little bit of advice out there for people who struggle being with themselves, mm. what would it be? Um, it would be first to start filling your own cup and consciously choosing to do things that make you happy, mm. fulfilled, um, which we don't do enough. We're really bad at investing in ourselves. Um, and it can be something little. You know, I love going, we were chatting about this before, I love going and watching the sunset yep. with a really good glass of wine on a Sunday <laughs> night. Good. Um, or, you know, sometimes it's either over Christmas I'm going to go or over the break I love scuba diving. I'm going to go and, like, be on a boat for five days out in the middle of the Great Barrier Reef and I spend awesome. most of my days sitting on the bottom of the ocean. Perfect. I'm doing that because that is something that I would not give to myself normally. Be too busy taking care of other people. Yeah. And you've got to check yourself and actually give yourself time to do those things. Yeah. yeah and so, it, we, like, for anyone struggling to be with themselves, firstly, awesome. <laughs> it's really... Yeah. If you know that, you're yeah, ahead. You're aware of it. Yeah. Awareness is kind of the... You're 50% there. Yeah. The battle's half won. Yeah. I think one of my favourite, <clears throat> uh, I guess, little little activities to do with the people around me who are struggling and it's usually a client but can be friends and mm. most recently done it with my better half KP I, we sat down and I'm like All right, I want you to write 30 things that you love doing yeah and let's do them like mm. whether it's me whether it's by myself and a bunch of hers were things by herself mm. and she's she struggles to be by herself a lot of the time and we've had some pretty cool cool discussions around that lately and it's go for a run it's walk on the beach it's do things that are actually for her and when you start ticking those off daily, weekly, monthly, you start to build that bank of good memories that, you know what? I love being around myself. I like being that person who can be by, my, by, by myself and not have to rely on other people. Mm. And, you know, it's something I, I struggle with, but I think I struggle with it. I don't necessarily struggle with it, but I love being around people. Like I, yeah. I'm probably, like if we were to put a scale of introvert to extrovert, I'm probably more towards the extrovert end. Like mm. I love my own time, but... I get my energy from being around other people who are who are up and about, and sometimes I need that. I need to go. You know what? I just don't want to talk to anyone. I just want to be by myself. But majority of the time, it's around other people. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm going for a coffee with two people, I, I'll I'll talk to another six and invite four of them along. And it's just it's just what I do. But I was able to after a podcast maybe 10, 12 weeks ago now. I was able to sit down and chat to an adventurer, Bo Miles, who's done a heap of. I guess solo travel mm. and we talked about the importance of solitude and we, I set myself the goal in that podcast to spend a couple of days by myself mm. with no no human contact and the importance of that in, in 
I guess how my years finished up and how I've rounded up myself as a person over the last 12 months heaps has happened I've had a huge year as I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast has take two minutes to yourself and just go wow I've had a pretty big year even if you have to write down what you've done and allow yourself to give yourself a pat on the back for what you've done and it's allowed me to just get out of my bubble and look at it all and go I've done pretty well which is hard for us to do mm. hard for us to check that that ego sometimes Solitude, solitude's an amazing thing. When I, like I said, I love diving. And so I'll often, um, mm. often sort of, my, my first couple of dives will be looking around at wherever I am. And, and by about the fourth or fifth dive for the day, I'll simply put on a weight belt, set my, set my like buoyancy to be a little deeper so I'm sinking. Yeah. I'll sink myself to a sandbank. And as I kick my fins, right, I kick my fins to slow down, I'll land and all the sand will be up around me. And I'll, I'll, one of my other practices is Vedic meditation. So I'll sit and I'll close my eyes and I'll meditate underwater. It's an amazing thing. And I'll do that for 20, 30 minutes. And when I open my eyes, all of the sand is settled. And solitude has a way of doing that. Mm. It has a way of settling all of the different parts of us in terms of their you know, yeah. weight or, or consistency. And that's a great way to find out the parts of us that are not working. I remember when I was in year nine, we had an amazing outdoor education program at the school I went to. And one of the things they did on, you know, the year nine camp was a three-week camp. Where they just take you out of your house, put you in the bush, and you're there. Um, and one of the things they do is they do a solo, essentially a full day. So they, they take, you know, 30 kids, line them down the bank of a river so they can't see each other, and they tell you it'll be three hours, and they make you do it for 12. Like, you know, you've got food, everything you need, blah, blah, blah. It's not that's, like, it's that's, not, that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's not neglect. It's, um, <laughs> it's a bunch of solitude. And, um, Just give the teachers some time off. <laughs> well deserved. And, you know, I, I remember I was on my solo, and I could hear this, like, after about two hours, and he's like, thwack, thwack, thwack. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And after a while, it just became part of the noise. Yeah. And we got back, we were chatting about experience, and it was one of my really close friends who I always thought was this really calm chick, this real chill out chick, or always, like, never had anything above the surface. She was saying that after about two hours of nothing, yeah. she got really angry, really angry. She had this dead tree and this really heavy stick. And she's just cracking it against she cracked it. And she, she, took, she took a clean half metre off it in about three hours. <laughs> just out. thwacking it. And, you know, that, that experience has sat with me for a long time because as I do more solitude or I spend more time with me, it's an opportunity for me to really explore me because I don't have the distraction and the noise to like, or, or, or the interference, right, to not have me listening to myself. Mm. Start to notice shit. And that, yeah. that's the scary thing. Yeah, and it's hard to be vulnerable like that and to allow ourselves to, like, for some people, and, and I'm sure you've been through times and I've been through times, it's really scary being stuck in your own head mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and to have to listen to yourself and, to, and we feel it, like we're constantly, data's coming in day after day after day, second after second with, our, with phones, computers, everything. We're, to actually allow ourselves to go, you know what, I want to escape from that and put my phone down, put my laptop down and just go for a hike or go for a walk or do something that's just for you. It's, it's a hard thing to do. But, and this is one of, one of the guys, when I was doing that a couple of days away, one of the guys um, said to me, he goes, I could never do that. Mm, good story. I hate that. Good story. I hate that. I could never do that. Mm-hmm. All you've got to do is just do it. And I literally, I, I probably was probably a little blunt, so I apologize <laughs> if I uh, offended. But I basically just went, all you've got to do is do it. You just got, like, just do it. You, if you tell yourself you can't do it, you will never do it. If you tell yourself you can't climb a mountain, you'll never climb a mountain. If you tell yourself you can't have, be in a long-lasting, loving relationship, you'll probably never be in one. Like it's, 
all of those things and the way we talk to ourselves and to go on a big tangent like around back to that yeah. same stuff we're talking about all the way you talk to yourself is a self-fulfilling prophecy if yeah. you tell yourself that you're going to be shitty and miserable and angry and sad you're going to be shitty miserable angry and sad if you mm. tell yourself that you know what bad shit's going to happen but I'm going to attack it with a positive mindset I'm going to look look for the little little gems of information and I'm going to enjoy enjoy all the fuck ups and all the failures then you're probably going to be pretty pretty happy person yeah and it's 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 as easy as the opposite like it's as easy to have a really positive self-reaffirming conversation with yourself as it is to have because they're just words mm. yeah <laughs> like I my team get really shitty at me because I'll be sitting on my laptop emailing and I'll like send an email I'll be like fuck yeah that was awesome yeah that's a word I'm gonna go with that that's not a sentence but fuck it like I'll out loud I'm talking yeah. to myself as I send emails if I'm on the phone I'll like they'll see me pumping around I'll say something fucking awesome I'm like, <laughs> because I'm training because I get one day to do that and yep. then the next day and then the next day and I figure I have that moment anyway it's my whole in, in, like it's my intention of living is I've got this moment anyway it's, it's here yeah. you know, this moment is here the moment that we're, the, you know, the, these people have chosen to listen to this conversation that we're having the moment is here the moment after this conversation is just as here mm. what do we do with it yeah. is it a wasted moment and it's not about doing big fast things all the time yeah every moment doesn't have to be you standing on top of the summit looking at the sun coming up and going this is pretty pretty amazing like it's it's every step on the way up the mountain that you need to enjoy and it's the the analogy of you know fitness and movement is so um so apt here is i used to think that success in movement was how heavy a thing can i lift yeah you know how, what what's the heaviest thing i can lift can you just repeat that for all of the uh, gym girls that are listening yeah i used to <laughs> think that success in movement and fitness was what's the heaviest thing I can lift mm. um, and as I you know I was I, I've been around really fantastic um, coaches from a strength conditioning movement point of view um, who really taught me that that the power of, of movement is in its quality yeah you know and I've stalked the shit out of your team <laughs> and, you know, um, Cam is a wonderful yes. uh, who I've stalked if you're listening I'll make sure um, he listens outstanding he'll love this um you know the the way that we that many of your team talk about movement, and many of the people I surround myself with who, who know know a thing or two about movement. And I, full disclosure, I don't like it's not been an area of my training. The quality of movement is so powerful, mm. and it's the same in every moment. It's not about how you know the analogy of heavy is this moment. What's the big thing I'm doing? You know, like I love whitewater kayaking. Yeah. But I could not whitewater kayak every day of my life. <laughs> It'd be a weird yeah. thing to expect. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see you try. <laughs> Same. You know, I read the most. What are you doing? I'm kayaking. What are you doing next week? Kayaking. Play on. I'd get no meetings done. Or I'd get plenty of meetings done. Um, you know, I, I read a great book about high performance. I cannot remember it for the life of me. I'll, I'll, I'll set it to you and yep. we can add it somewhere. And they talk about it from the States and they talk about how life is oscillation. You know, if we, I look to nature for a lot of evidence of how we should live. Yeah. I look at, you know, the life and death cycle. I look at waves. I look at moon and sun. I look at seasons. Everything is in oscillation, in and out, up and down. And I, we need both sides of the equilibrium to create a level of success. Yeah. And so in each moment, like any movement, it's not always what's the heaviest thing I can lift, but sometimes it can be. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Just as much as it can be, what's the quality of this body weight movement? Or as simple as, what's the quality of the way I'm sitting mm. or lying yeah. down? Yeah. Just as important as how big a thing can I like what's, what can my body do from a performance point of view yeah they're the same conversation the really simple language we use around that 
at vertices, blast and caress. And this is something that mm. Greg, our physio, has taught us. You can be blasting where you're working towards improving capacity. So whether it's strength, speed, power, whatever it is, mm-hmm. or you caress where you focus on movement, you focus on rest and regeneration and looking after yourself. And if you can, if you're always in blast, you'll eventually break down, whether it's psychologically, whether it's physically, you know, something, something you'll give, you'll get sick, whatever. If you're always in caress, then you're probably never going to move forward, never going to improve. So you're right. You need both sides of the the coin. You need the high tide and low tide. You need each end of the spectrum to be touched on to allow yourself to move forward. And mm. they'll, they'll, and it's not necessarily oh, one day I'm going to blast, one day I'm going to caress. Could be in the same session. Could be in the same month. Could be in the same year. Like you might have a two, three, four week blasting period where you, I'm just going to smash myself because I feel as though that's what I need. Mm. And then it might be all right. I got a six week movement movement uh, caress that I'm going to work on and I love I think this quote I assume comes from you and it's something Jess says a lot it's the way you do one thing is the way you do everything yeah, yeah? yeah. and it's if you do a set of six push ups or deadlifts or whatever it may be if you do that set of six really shit you're probably not going to get where you want to get mm. to and it, like simple simple as it needs to be but if you're and it, or if you're spending you know 30 seconds on a foam roller if you just kind of just do it for the sake of doing it you're not going to get where you want to get to and you're going to end up in exactly the same position in six months as you are now like we talked about it before about watching people move and seeing people move day to day i can't go to a commercial gym anymore because Mm. you just see the movement that's done so badly and that's probably like i've got to check my ego and go well maybe i could help these people yeah but at the same time I can't go to every commercial gym in the world. Mm. And there's, and I'm sure everyone listening will know someone or will have been through this stage before where they've spent six months or they've seen someone spend six months doing the same shit every day and they never get any better. Mm. And and like you'd be exactly the same seeing the business world side of things. And this does this isn't just movement, this is life. Like mm. if you do the same stuff every day, you don't have you know, for a year, you don't have a year's worth of experience. You have one day's worth of experience yeah. that you've times by 365 mm. is that how many days there are in a year yeah I think yeah, so yeah except every four I think <laughs> yeah something like that <laughs> all the things I would have learned in primary school that I now think uh, it's not that important <laughs> great segue speaking of primary school and high school and things yeah. like that you used the term before programmed life mm. I really like the way you use that term mm. explain to me from in your mind's mind what's a programmed life yeah so NLP teaches us that the way we learn to filter our world, because essentially our brain can only process a certain amount of information. Yeah. And, you know, scientists have measured that in bits. It's all very scientific. But essentially we can only process a certain amount. Turns out there's a lot more information coming at us and our brain can't handle it all. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like if, you know, if anyone wants to, to do an exercise, simply like close your eyes and then when you reopen it, look for everything in the room you're sitting in that's green. Go green, go green, go green and look around, find everything that's green and then close your eyes and tell me anything that was red, tell me anything that was brown. And if you've done it without listening to this segue, but do it for anything, you won't yeah. be able to do it. Because yeah. our brain can't process that much. It's, mm. it's, it's a wonderful computer, but it's a little stupid too. <laughs> it can't do a lot. Yeah. So we have adapted to learn, how, to, learn, to, to learn what to focus on. We filter stuff out. Correct. It's not important. Correct. And seemingly we, not important. Seemingly not important. And we do that through a number of different filters. We filter through attitude, through our attitude through our beliefs, yep. through our values, which are a whole kettle of fish, <laughs> through our memories, through our experiences, through simply time and space. You know, we, we filter our world through all of those different things, and as a result of that, we get a, present, a, a representation of what's actually occurring. That representation is inaccurate. I love um, Tony Robbins. I mean, if anyone's into personal development, he's a wonderful beginning 
um, for, for this conversation. You know, he talks about 9-11 in the States and he talks about how some people, as a result of you know, um, September 11th and the plane crash, planes crashing into the Twin Towers, the Pentagon, and I think it was in Pennsylvania, um, how some people took that and, and still to this day use it as an opportunity to um, you know, create an incendiary environment around um, uh, Islam and around Muslims and mm-hmm. have yeah. turned it into an opportunity for hate. And a whole other group of people have used it as an opportunity for us to come together and have a conversation about love yeah. and bring people together. And what he says, which and when I first heard this, you know, I heard that and I was like, yeah, that's accurate, well said, cool story, Tony. And then what he said really hit me. He said, same planes, same towers. I went, fuck. Same yeah. planes, same, same towers. Same towers. That's pretty heavy. No one, it wasn't that some people stood on East Street, saw the plane hit and went, love. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's same plane, same towers. Yeah, that is heavy. We have the same, all of the, we, you know, in NLP we call it the event. The event will be the same. You know, some people, you know, had the death of somebody close to them and use it, and use it as an opportunity to memorialize that person and, you know, live in their honor. And some people experience grief forever. And there's no right yeah. or wrong around that. But it's just experiencing what you experience. Same event. Yeah. Always the same event. Yeah. And, and what that teaches us in coaching is that as hard as it can seem, and the more we coach, you know, you, I'm sure there's an equivalent in, in fitness as well or in, in movement and performance. Yeah. You become less preachy over time. Oh, 100%. And yeah. I've, found, I've found that. Like, I used to be, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks, this yeah. sucks. Like, I was so, like, anti a bunch of different yeah. stuff. I'm not anti any. Like, yeah. I don't think, and I probably am, so I'm probably still working on that ability to think critically about everything because mm. like I'm but I'm big on there's good in everything yeah like let's use CrossFit as an example I used to be like CrossFit sucks mm. like and I came from a position where I went you know what I think it sucks only I experience it for four or five weeks yeah and try it and see what happens and I finished that four or five weeks and went I love I love doing CrossFit mm. I the programming, the sustainability of it, all these different things needs, needs in my brain, needs a lot of work and yeah. the way I coach. But all the good CrossFit coaches are doing that anyway. Yeah. So it's an incredibly powerful tool because it gets people into an environment where there's community culture mm. and gives them an opportunity to move, yeah. which at the end of the day, and for all the fit, people in the fitness industry, and I'm sure any industry, that we're in such a, we're in a niche industry anyway. If we keep dividing crossfit bodybuilding powerlifting athletic development all the like all the movement stuff each different area of our industry we keep going into smaller and smaller industries or smaller and smaller industries within the industry you're just gonna be pissed off at everyone that's they're not doing the right thing Mm -hmm. by you but there are which by the way is just like insert how many hundreds of years ago that's the crusades yeah (laughs) it's the same thing exactly exactly. your your god your beliefs are incorrect because Mm. mine are correct yeah exactly but there's you know, a thousand ways to skin a cat. There's mm-hmm. hundreds of roads that lead to Rome. Like, you know, two plus two equals four, but so is three plus one mm-hmm. and, and eight minus four. And, you know, I'm sure we could sit here for hours sprouting numbers out mm-hmm. of what it equals. But, yeah, just be... I think we all need to be a little bit more mindful of just because they're not doing it the way we would do it doesn't necessarily make it worse. Yeah. Um, and again, look to nature. You know, I often think about, um, you know, I look at a tree over there and I go, trees don't, like, get seeded in the ground, poke up and then stop and go, well. <laughs> well. <laughs> which, which way is the sun? How do I grow perfectly? How do yeah. I grow straight? How, they just, they fucking grow. Yeah. Now, there's so many examples of that in nature. The cleanest, you know, I, I know you love hiking, I love hiking. The cleanest water 
is found in moving moving parts of the stream. Mm-hmm. You, know, you want to find yeah. clean water that will you want to find water that will kill you. Go somewhere stagnant. I would much rather any day. You know, look at the example of CrossFit. You know, Jess Jess Ryan said this to me once about CrossFit and also the you know the, the app the fitness app movement. Yeah. Um, and I I'm, I've always been really anti it. Both because I, I suppose I've got experience in the entrepreneurship space, and it's it's all very you know to, to get a to get outcome. And what she said was, but at least it gets people moving. Yeah, and I went fuck. What a great point. <laughs> yeah, I'd r- much rather any day somebody simply moving and working it out. Yeah. than stagnant waiting to get it right. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Step three is go do it somewhere where you're going to be supported long term. It's going to be sustainable, mm. and you're going to be able to continually move forward. But you're right, it's, it gets people off the couch. Yeah. It gets people moving. And as hard as that is to swallow sometimes, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that's, that, for some people, that's enough. Yeah. And that's all we need. And we can't help everyone at once. But if we, like, I'm, I, I think this is, I think Cam taught me this, um, the pure of heart rule. If you do the right thing for the right reasons, everything will end up okay. Yeah. And it's, it's a simple one, but if you follow what you believe in and continually learn from other people then you'll be able to use those experiences to help other people and it's just a a beautiful cycle of help and everyone moves each other up and lifts each other up except with butt wink in a deadlift yeah don't butt wink no (laughs) squat that's probably you're probably not going to butt wink in a a, you should if you butt wink in a deadlift there's some stuff going on but yeah you're right also don't butt wink in a squat that's that that's squat that's specifically for cam that's so he knows how deep i've done in the stalking yeah exactly no butt wink it's, uh, but th- they're the things that when you accept 60% good as good enough, yeah. then, then you start to get people that get injured and get, yeah. get hurt and things like that. And you know, Cam, Cam's views, I think, promote all of what we, what we believe in Virtus. It's just quality over quantity. Yeah. Move well, then move often. But yeah. don't, add it, don't move often before you're moving well yeah. because it'll pay you back. And it'll pay you back with interest and you'll get hurt, you'll be in pain, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing, and this is, a, this is a, me formulating a question for you, the biggest thing for that is ego and how we allow ourselves to put it on the hook and not worry about it, mm. which is rule five at our gym. Mm-hmm. How do you put your ego on the hook? Mm. It's an interesting answer. It's, it's, it's going to sound egotistical to people still, <laughs> on, the, still on this part of the journey. Yep. That's by really loving me, really deeply loving me. Because ego is insecurity. You know, um, interestingly, like ego state therapy, right, which is where ego comes from, teaches us that we have up to 15 voices in our head at any one time. And when I first read that, my response was, thank goodness. <laughs> that is the most validating thing yeah. I've ever Red. That's a great response to that. Oh my god! Yeah, I was like, ah, oh, brilliant. Because that it, makes sense. Oh, just a bit of better. <laughs> if anyone ever like um, invalidates this, I'm done. Like I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> um, ego is an insecurity. It's it's another voice needing to speak in order to like fill a hole fill a yeah. void. And everything in our life is what voids have we created for ourselves inside of us. Coming back to the conversation about. Um, you know the, the filters of life what they teach us is simply that we can choose what the event means mm. we can always choose what the event means yeah. the last step in experiencing anything is meaning what do we make it mean yeah. you know if somebody challenges us you know my, my partner is very into health very into health um, and she is just an incredible example of eating well nourishing herself moving well um, 
And she'll challenge me on a lot to do with my health. Which is awesome. Which is awesome. It is now. <laughs> <laughs> do you listen to her? Yeah. I, I is do. it because you're able to love yourself and you're able to check that ego? And Yeah, well, that's a great question. Yes, it's because I, have, I've, I can check my ego because I love myself and, I have real, and because I love myself, I have boundaries yeah. and I can communicate them well. You know, I, I know we're, we're, in a way we're jumping all around the place, but I love that the puzzle pieces are starting yeah. to come together. In terms of teaching people how to love us, that's an incredibly important conversation. And when I think about, you know, think about Elle, she will challenge me on, say, what I'm choosing to eat. And like, in a really direct way. <laughs> by just telling me what that, what's about to happen in my body. Yeah, and like, could have, could have said that was when it was on the plate, decided to do it when it was halfway down my esophagus. That's okay. Um, These things happen. You know, did you know that's going to corrode We, we live and we learn, right? Yeah. Um, and that was challenging. In the beginning, I chose to get really defensive. Because I was simply making it mean yeah. that she was challenging me, the human being. Yeah. <laughs> she was just saying that's not a good thing for your body. Yeah. She was actually saying that's not a good thing for the body. Yeah. Choosing to make it mean challenging me as the human being. Yeah. She's not attacking you. She's attacking the process that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, pointing out a fact. Yeah. That reminds me of like one of my first ever um, placement things I did at one of the bigger gyms down our way um, all around rehab and stuff like that. One of the staff members, the boss, who, so the guy who was looking after me he was doing something to it with a client and the boss just walked past, said something little to him about what he was doing. He changed it. Mm. And afterwards, I remember him saying, he goes, I used to hate when Ryan would do that. Mm. But now I know it's just going to make me a better coach. Mm. And that has stuck with me eight, seven, eight years. It's just something that if you allow yourself to not feel attacked when someone suggests this is how you could do this better, you know, the, the world's going to be a better place yeah. and, it, and if we you know I, I, one of my I don't know why I just thought of that but I've, one of my life rules is never argue on the internet mm-hmm. yeah. and, and, and <laughs> hey I break my life rules occasionally alright it's a rabbit hole <laughs> exactly but that uh, like the reason why people argue on the internet is because they feel as though people are attacking them not yeah. their ideas yeah. and yeah and uh, yeah I don't even know what, why I thought of that but I want to I want to tweak the the mode of the conversation a little bit and talk a little bit about business and a little bit about what you guys do mm. what has helped you build your culture that you currently have mm. so culture is two things it's dynamics and it's mechanics yeah so dynamics are what is the dna of your organization and that is what is the vision where are we going what's the mission how are we going to get there together what are yep. the values like what do we believe and stand for Mechanics are how do we do it, and that's it's boring shit. It's systems, processes, it's indicators of performance. Yeah. Without both, we don't have culture ever, because we can have all talk and not have systems to make that talk possible. Yeah. And you know, I was saying to you before, you know, I've been in a position where my entire team left in the space of a very short amount of time. Yeah. I remember sitting down um, with with um, uh, my boss, having a glass of wine, and being like, "Well," <laughs> looking around an empty yeah. office where no one was coming back to. Um, and going, we fucked up. And we, we thought it was dynamics. We thought the culture wasn't there. Yeah. What it was actually is mechanics. It was that there was people wanted this big vision. They wanted to live the values. They wanted to be a part of this mission. Yeah. But they couldn't do it because the processes didn't allow it. So they felt like they were failures. Yeah. So they, you can't have culture without both. Mm. There's a wonderful quote 
and I can't remember who said it, and I'll misquote it terribly, which is a pattern for me. Hey, that's that's quotes. That's, that's how people it's, deal with quotes. I think. Oh God, I hope so. It's um, if you want, if you want, if you want people to build a boat, don't bark orders and drum up the wood, and, and don't bark orders and demand people drum up the wood. Simply teach a yearning for the vast and endless sea. Cool. Fucking love that. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I need to, I need to stop and digest that a little yeah. bit. That's that's pretty amazing. I'll say it again because it's what yeah. I live by in leadership. It's yeah. if you want people to build a boat, don't bark orders and demand the drumming of the wood. Yeah. Teach a yearning for the vast and endless sea. That is now my new favorite quote. Yeah. Anyone that's listened to more than one episode of this will know that I love quotes. So that's yeah. amazing. That's. Yeah, because automatically I think about how that relates back to my team and how that relates back to my leadership styles and management styles and how I fucked up in the past and how my ability to be self-reflective has allowed me to change the way I go about things like that. So that's that's pretty amazing. If, if you teach a yearning for the vast and endless sea, they will build a better boat than you could envision. Yeah. And that's been true of my team. You know, um, Vern Harnish talks about... Um, how as a leader you want to be the dumbest person in the room yeah wanting like I crave that um, 100% because I I know that there are people who'll build a better boat than me but there aren't very many people on the planet who can teach the yearning mm. and great leaders learn great managers can bark the orders and drum up the wood in their vision yeah great leaders and great cultures are built off everybody yearning for the same sea mm. and if we know and, and that's that sounds good that's a really cool yeah. soundbite. Yeah, it's su- super. It's one of those. It's super simple, but it's not. Over, it's incredibly difficult. Nah, because that and any business owner who has a team will, will expect this. If you teach a yearning for the vast and endless sea, everyone's got a different fucking sea. Yeah, um, and a different way of navigating it. And some, you know, if I look at like ships over time, you know, the the way that. Um, Chinese built ships versus the way the English built ships, totally different ships for totally different seas, for totally different weather conditions. So dynamics in dynamics and mechanics is what sea are we yearning for together? And if you can bring together a group of people They're all yearning for the same sea. All yearning for the same sea without teaching them how to build their boat, you're going to create something amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Together. Yeah, and and that's the, the, like, there's a reason why everyone in business does what they do because it it allows them their C, their Y, whatever, I guess, language you want to use, everything's moving towards that. Mm-hmm. And then if, yeah, and I, I'm starting to see my team all come together to start building the boat. And yeah. guess what? I'm having nothing to do with them actually building the mm-hmm. boat. I'm just, you know, giving them the materials and the resources to go ahead and build it. And, mm-hmm. you know, let's see what we come up Thank with. God, that's easier said than done. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> As we- someone that has, likes to build likes to build boats metaphorically it's a it's a hard one well it's like they're building a boat within a boat that we've already built yeah so we're like no I did a pretty good job of my boat boatception boatception if you're able to build a boat within my boat my boat must be pretty good why does your boat look different (laughs) uh oh show me how your boat works oh wait it goes faster Oh wait, it's gonna it's gonna last longer. Oh, and coming shit. back to ego, yeah. <laughs> this is what kills culture. Yeah, is most leaders, and this is not a because I do this still, is that when a better boat gets built than mine, rather than looking for the learning from my boat, I'll tear down theirs. Mm. I don't yeah. mean to. Yeah, but I it's but it's natural. It's a, you know, Cam comes to me with a new program and be like, now nah, that sucks. Mine's better. Before <laughs> I've even had a chance yeah. to look at the program, like it's. Yeah. It's a really, really simple one, but it's so hard for us to get out of that mindset. Yeah. But when we do, shit like, like life gets easier yeah. because people start building your boats for you. Yes. 
and, and because like for me I want my team to want I, I want my whole team to feel like co-founders mm. all building this thing together you know yeah. I look at um, Google for example um, great book uh, Work Rules by the VP of People Operations at Google so the person who runs their HR and their culture and he talks about how many of Google's greatest inventions were accidents like yeah. they have a 20% rule which is that 20% of your week month year can be spent on anything you fucking want Ooh. Gmail came of that that's Gmail awesome. came because a guy said, I reckon I can use this opera, the, the, um, the search function and I can take my ma- email and attach, like, say, Hotmail, attach a search function to it. And then he went, fuck, this is hard because I can't just dump a search function to Hotmail. You know what? I'm going to bring my emails yeah. to the search yeah. function. Yeah. And then Gmail was born. And hey, I use Gmail every day. And it's, I'm sure most people biggest, do. It's yeah. the biggest email system on the planet. Mm. Google Chrome came because um, of uh, an accident because of the 20% rule. It was, you know what, I reckon, fuck it, we can make search really fast. Why don't we just make internet really fast? <laughs> and now Chromebook exists. Pixel, the phone exists. They're the fastest um, phones and computers on the planet. They're not the best yeah. selling. Apple still overtakes them, but they're the fastest. Yeah. Because, because of two things. Because if we, if we look at what Google's initial mission was, it was make information available, yeah, quickly available. Yeah. They have a much sexier vision than that. And if we look at everything that's been created by people who weren't the founders... Chromebook, Chrome, Gmail, it's all built on the vision of make information available and make it available fast. Yeah. So they've got these, you know, coming back to mechanics, they've got these products that are making them millions and billions of dollars. Yeah. In created by people they might pay hundred grand a year to or yep. less. Yeah. So that the ROI is massive. Let's like from a business point of view, we, we need to be profitable. Yep. So the ROI is huge. But you've got something that's built in the vision, in, in their initial vision. Same sea, different boat. Yeah. And now they, and you know, Apple's the same, you know, the, um, they were told, don't create, don't go into the phone business, you'll fail. <laughs> yeah. And now, and it was, it was not the, it wasn't Jobs who came up with the idea of let's do phones. Mm. He just took his one part of his wisdom. He was make the boat sexy, but he had no idea how to build that boat for that sea. Yeah. And he got his, yeah, his crew built the boat and now they've got a whole fleet. And we don't have to be big to do that. We don't have to be the elephants. Mm. You know, um, Vern Harnish says there's three kinds of businesses. There are mice, which are startups. There's elephants, which are or like or whales. Then there are gazelles, mm. which are fast-moving, structurally integral creatures yeah. who are not at the bottom of the food cycle yeah. because they're nimble and move quickly. Yeah, and they're efficient because, like, in, a, in a business sense, everyone's small team, but they're, everyone's working together. Yeah, and, and if we look, able to communicate, if we look at because everything's an organism, a business is just an organism. We look at a business, you know, we take the analogy of the body. How much has to happen just to walk? Yeah, <laughs> and if for that to happen, our body has to be yearning for a vast and endless sea the whole time. Yeah, and when anything doesn't, it you know, I when I start, I, I, I was I woke up one day. Earlier this year, in just an immense amount of pain, and I went fuck. I went and saw my osteo Jordan Moncrief, amazing, amazing um, thought leader on movement, and he two things he said to me was one that pain's been there for many, many years. Your body was just really good at hiding it, mm. and the second thing is everywhere you're feeling the pain is everywhere the pain was not created. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and and that's like the the simplest, I guess, idea as in terms of movement and pain that people just don't get mm. and you know I've, I've chat to a couple of mates tonight about pain and how and medicine and how it's treated mm-hmm. and you know if your knee sore it's something below or above it that's, mm-hmm. that's creating that pain yeah or up top yeah if your back's lower back sore it's something below or above it that's creating pain mm-hmm. or up top and you've got to figure out what and that's what the best medical professionals and movement professionals in the world are able to do mm. 
anxious systems that are able to identify well your if we use a hip for, if you use back for example your hips aren't flexing and rotating like they should or your upper back isn't rotating like it should mm-hmm. if if you guys listening are interested in that side of things look up the the uh, joint by joint approach which mm-hmm. is a really really simple way of explaining how the body works and how joints are meant to work difference between mobile joints and stable joints and it like hijacked your answer a little bit no, but no. but from a pain point of view if you understand that you get 50% of the way there which mm. is so valuable when there's so many different reasons why people are in pain if you can understand that then movement stops becoming a hindrance in terms of pain it starts to become a, a, fi- a factor to fix it mm. um, because you know I'm sure everyone's gone to a doctor or a physio or a chiro or an osteo someone that isn't great at what they do and or isn't doesn't understand this and they'll say oh you just need a rest for a month or you need a rest for two months or you need to take three weeks off if you stop moving you'll you'll lose your ability to move mm-hmm. if you and yes sometimes we're in immense pain and we can't move that's mm-hmm. okay but find the little things you can do yeah. and yeah and then you'll then you'll get better and apply all of that to business and team building right if you want to know why your sales team aren't performing look to your marketing team yeah are you producing great quality leads look to your operations team can it be done simpler Don't look to the sales team first. And if we come back to like any kind of pain, it's simply an inability, like it's a a lack of awareness around movement, which is our ability to lead and manage ourselves, which is the business owner. It's always us. And it's the the same analogy is we will get to a point where the team aren't performing, we're not achieving results, so we stop managing. (laughs) We stop leading. Fuck it. (laughs) You know, like, um, or we, we just do the same thing over and over again. Expecting a different result. Einstein's definition of insanity. Same, same communication. Over same and communication over and over, over again. Just yeah. more blame. Yeah. And then we wonder why. It, it doesn't, and, and we'd expect, like logic would tell us, that if we just kept doing the same thing, it would plateau and we'd experience the same result over and over again. It doesn't. It gets worse. Yeah. Because like in, like in movement, it atrophies. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's not performing and growing and moving, so the team atrophy. Yeah. Well, you de- hurt your back deadlifting poorly. You do more deadlifts, that's going to hurt more. Yeah. And like, it's a really simple thing. But one of the from a movement point of view and I love how you brought that back to business because that is perfect it, it works exactly the same mm-hmm. way sometimes you've just got to chill out and breathe and I use the term breathe because like this morning one of my clients came in and she was super, super sore super tight and just nothing was working mm-hmm. and we use a test called a bretzel which was well, it's, it's a stretch which basically shows you what's tight in your body and what's not working and, and from there you choose something to fix it and something to make it better mm-hmm. So for her today, usually it might be a foam roller or a certain stretch or a certain movement that we do. Today I just said, we're just, we're just going to spend 10 minutes breathing. So we did 10 minutes breathing and from the developmental stages, we went belly, mm-hmm. and we went back, and we went hands and knees and we spent 10 minutes doing that and I got to put her back in that same stretch and she said, no fucking way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it, mm-hmm. it genuinely changed the way her body moved because she spent 10 minutes just focusing on her breath. In through your nose, fill up your diaphragm, or use your diaphragm, fill up your belly, out through your mouth. And if we're able to, in all areas of what we do, whether it's movement, whether it's business, if we're able to actually go, you know what, sometimes you just need to come back to our breath and then let things take care of themselves to a point. We've just got to take action still. And that, that breath in itself is action. But we've got to be able to, to be able to bring ourselves back to, let's go to the basics and let's make sure the simple things are working and then the complex will take care of itself mm. that's a really I don't know that's a really simple one for me but something that I still struggle with and I'm still I'm only starting to fully or somewhat grasp it's again 
coming back to business. It's the same thing. The solution is almost never like it's the same in anything, right? If, if you're if you're noticing the problem, go six, seven steps before, and you'll yep. find the part of the tree diagram that we went in the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah. That's how we got to this dead end. Yeah, that's cool. That's that's, that's really cool. If you if you feel sick, it probably not what you ate. 20 minutes ago it might be what you made eight a week ago or yeah. five or six days ago mm-hmm. alright I've got a bunch of questions for you and you can be as succinct or as long winded as you'd mm-hmm. like okay. first one for you if you are to write down three values that you hold dearly what would they be and why mm. love um, I'll, I'll say them and then I'll, and then I'll speak to them cool. love passion patience good um you know, I make like to be really clear. Like, I am in business, and I'm a peak performer. You know, and a lot of my communication nowadays, because it's the lesson I'm on, is around slowing down to speed up and all of that. But at the end of the day, like, I walk into the office at seven o'clock. My PA hands me a schedule and a book of papers, and I'm out of there at ten o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, just like you are in your business, just like many people who listen to run their own businesses or are in high performance roles are. Um, but those three, those three are grounding points for me: love, passion, patience. Love, because for me. Everything can be an expression of love if we choose it to be. Everything is awesome. And honestly, if it was always, we'd be in a better place. <laughs> yeah. We can fight from love. Yeah, imagine what it would be like. Mm. Imagine what the world would be like if that was the case. And it doesn't remove, you know, it's not tokenistic. We can argue and fight from a place of love. Mm. We can disagree, debate, all from a place of love. Yeah. Because it can be love of self. You know, I talked about, you know, my partner's very, very into health and very, very into challenging me, but she knows that one of the things, you know, for she doesn't drink. You know, and that's that's more than more than happy with that. She's she really struggled in the beginning that I really enjoy wine, and would often like call like she'd make comments because she, because I hadn't taught her how to love me in this area. Not yeah. her. It isn't like extreme ownership says it's not that she should have known. Yeah. And I had to say to her one day, hey, this is like an, a boundary for me. It's something that I'm I'm not intending to stop doing. And like when I hear comments like that, I, I simply feel judged. Yeah. And funnily enough, stop making comments because yeah. it wasn't about me. It was just about and it probably stopped bugging her as much as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so everything can be from a place of love, passion, because I truly believe in every moment of life, enjoying it, enjoying it to its absolute fullest. And that doesn't mean things can't suck. Yeah, it just doesn't mean that. It means that on the other side of that oscillation, will be us like finding a way to make that sucky thing an integral part of our life, a learning from it. I go through shit times all the time, times I don't know the answer. You know, I was saying to my team, there are more times than not where I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> more times than not. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean in all of that not knowing, I'm not passionate about the not knowing. It's all part of this adventure for me. Um, and then the third is patience. I, if someone was to say to me, what's my favorite trait about myself? It's that I'm patient as fuck and I had to learn that. Um, I'm patient with people because I'm patient with me. Because I stopped because all of our pain is unmet expectation. I just stopped expecting from myself things I could not meet, mm. and started expecting from myself rather than things and outcomes. I started expecting not what I would do or what I would have, but who I would be. What can I really? And it's it's not a rah rah woo you know woo spiritual thing. It's a hardcore. I expect and demand who I am going to be in that moment. It is something. It's a performance um, capacity thing. It's not a just let it happen thing. Yeah. Um, as a result of that, the do and have takes care of itself. And so does the give. Definitely. All because I can be patient with myself and expect more of myself because I'm not expecting impossible things. That's perfect. I really enjoy it. I really, 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 really like that. Have you had a defining moment? Yeah. Yeah, two that I can really think of. Um, 
I the first was I don't know if I mentioned it in this podcast or whether I mentioned it at breakfast but if I mentioned it again I mentioned it again they sort of conflated in my mind that's okay um, was I, I remember waking up I went through a period earlier in the year where I was like I found myself um, drinking a lot yeah um, a lot a lot and I was easily putting away two bottles of wine a night which just and it just became this thing the habit which is a habit right um, really and, and in my mind it wasn't a problem as it often isn't <laughs> and then it was and is I, it, it, yeah it is, isn't a problem until it is it isn't a problem until it is um, and I distinctly remember waking up one morning seeing four bottles of wine on my kitchen counter empty and seeing a message from somebody who I had booked in who I really care about who I had booked in to have dinner and it was just on the stream of messages which was where are you where are you where are you yeah. here are you here are you here about two hours so they'd waited in this restaurant for two hours and then left and it wasn't a problem until I heard someone yeah. right? as it so often is not yeah. um, and there was a defining moment of seeing those seeing, seeing these four empty bottles seeing these messages and just and not and really just being blank not having anything to go with and I, I it was the moment when I really decided to commit to my health and vitality was I can't keep treating my body as something that's going to catch up to the rest of my world yeah like I can't keep making reactive decisions on this sort of stuff yeah because at the end of the day it's going to be the thing I'll look back on and regret is you know when I like I see you know um dad's at 45 who can't play footy with the kids yeah not because they don't know how because I, I can't kick the ball straight can't move because they're in pain and move because they're in yeah, pain it's yeah and it's something that like breaks my heart where I see some clients and from a movement point of view and a health point of view where it feels as though I care more about their health than they do yeah because it's not a priority for them yeah but at the end of the day whether you want it to be or not it has to be a priority for you because that's the vessel that's going to get you to 60, 70, 80, 90 or you'll you know drop dead at 50 or 55 or 60 you know with the quality of life for the last 20 years it isn't what you want it to be yeah and yeah it's so simple but it's so hard for people to to do it and you know yes you've got obstacles to get through it might be you might have an office job you might sit in the car for four hours a day but it's not they're not obstacles that are unsurmountable and it Mm. just takes a little bit of little bit of like I guess passion and and motivation to get you to where you want to get to mm. and I use that word motivation I don't like the word motivation yeah, I so I want to flip that to change it to discipline but mm. what do you think of the word motivation I'm a bigger fan of inspiration inspiration and um, you know in, in, inspire to breathe within that's where that word comes from yeah and um, inspiritus I think is the the root of it and it's <laughs> to breathe within yeah um, I love the motivation is external. Yep. I can motivate. I would, and, and you know, in, in the metaphor of coaching, I can coach from a point of reliance. It's what I love. When I first heard about what, what you do and what Virtus stands for, most conventional gyms, PTs, through no fault of their own, simply through conditioning in the industry, mm-hmm. um, it is all about conditioning reliance. Yeah. You need me to go further versus the, the mission, the vision, the message, the, 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 the purpose of what we're doing to be to remove reliance and build realisation and build sustainability yeah. in, in human movement. Yeah. Create self-managed humans. That's, yeah. our, that's one, of that. our, one of our lines. Yeah. It's, it, that is inspiration, to be able to breathe within, to create breath, because motivation to breathe from external, it's not the root of the word, it's just the contrast frame, is to breathe from out, to need air from out. Yeah. 
versus to have breath and create breath within. You know, it's it's um it's uh, I love this idea of alchemy. It's how can we create gold from nothing? Yeah, that's inspiration. It's how can we create a self-sustaining, perpetual breath within? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I love that. If you could be remembered in one sentence, what would it be? Um, he taught me my life could have merit. Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> That's perfect. Mm. That's all I need. That's spot on. Do you have a morning routine? Yeah, I do. What is it? Um, so I get up in the morning. So I, I tend to get up at around quarter to six. Um, and I'll the first thing I'll do is I'll drink. I'm, I'm a big fan of, I've learned this from my partner, I'm a big fan of um, alkalinity in my body. So I'll drink lemon water. Um, and I'll spend some time like nourishing my body in that way. I'll drink a smoothie, lots of greens. Um, then I'll go and move. So I'll go to a boot camp or I'll go and train or I'll go and run. Um, but I, I get my body moving, yeah. um, mostly to activate my nervous system. So it's not, it's often not performance training. Yeah. It's often get my nervous system moving. Um, then I will, as a result of my nervous system moving, I meditate. I usually try and do that around sort of nature. So I like to be, uh, you know, if I, if I run, I'll often run to St. Kilda Beach. Yeah. I sit on the beach and I meditate, 20 minutes of Vedic meditation, um, which, t- which takes this activated nervous system and grounds it deeply, grounds it deeply. Yeah. And, and moves me from body and mind being on and then activates soul. Then... And through all this time, I stay away from technology and I stay away from, from any form of input. Yep. At this point, I'm simply warming up for all the input. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do, I do not... I do, I don't, it's like I don't want to now lift... It's not about lifting any weight at this point. It's yep. simply about activating different parts of my body. It's all warm-up. After Vedic meditation, I will eat something really healthy or well, or if I'm not eating for that morning, I'll like read or something. I'll spend some time nourishing. Um, and then by that point, I'll shower, get changed, and then I walk to work. I walk into the office, and once I hit, once I, and the whole time I'll be, I, I try not to start my day, so I walk in those doors. What's your, what's the time frame around that? What time do you get up? What time do you get to work? Yep, so up at about quarter to six, um, I'll eat and smoothie and all of that stuff until about six. Six is when I like to go and move. If it's a boot camp, that'll be 6.45, and yep. so I, I might start a little later in the day. I'll wake up later and give myself a bit of a sleep in. Otherwise, six, I'll go and move, hit the gym. And again, it's not about moving fast. It's not about moving heavy. It's about Just moving. Getting everything working. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that'll last me until about 6.30, 6.45. I'll eat, move, like I'll eat or, or read until maybe another 15 minutes until 7, 7.15. And then my office is four minutes away from where I live. Awesome. So walk down there. And through that all, I'm setting an intention for the day. All about intention. I have some morning routine envy right now. That's, mm. that's perfect. Built again, um, Jack Delosa is is currently he's launched a fantastic ebook, completely free, again, no catch, and I'm, I, no affiliation, <laughs> not plug. Um, he's just a phenomenal. He's a phenomenal example of somebody who did the overwork thing, overwork thing, overwork thing, and built something amazing, and then yep. woke up one morning and couldn't get out of bed. Physically couldn't bring himself to get out of bed and had to go on this journey. So I've learned a lot from him on this. Yep. And then when I walk into the office, it's game time. So all of this is pre-game prep. And every time I step into that office, it's, it's, it's um, you know, ball toss, game on. Yeah. So for all the athletes in the room, you get it. For all the uh, business owners or all of the 
they're just people that are just trying to get figure out how they want to run their daily lives. It's a really, really simple analogy to understand. I love mm. that. It's it's all about I treat every I treat every day as grand final day. Yeah. And it's it's because I deeply believe that and I'm not an athlete. I have the and I I have not worked with a huge I've worked with some athletes, um, sub elite and I've I've worked with one elite athlete, but never really worked with athletes, especially in team sports, they've all been an individual. Um, I deeply believe that on a grand final day there has to be a point where you let go before you get on that field. Yeah. Where all the training, all the preparation, all that at some point you have to let go and play the fucking game. Yeah. That's what I do. Yeah. So in that, and, th- and then it's simply running the strategy and trusting myself to know what works. And being on, staying present, yeah. but trust, trusting deeply that I've prepared for this moment. Yeah. My, my little mantra that I probably use, that I use every grand final, because I've, I've been lucky enough to play in a fair few, is how good, like right at the start, I'll say how good is footy. Yeah. Like, because it just makes me enjoy being there and it stops me from worrying about the performance or anything like that. And like, I'm someone that pri- I pride myself on being a like finals big game player. Yeah. But it comes from that relaxation and that yeah. and that acceptance that whatever happens will happen, and yeah. I've just got to ride ride the wave. I've I've walked into and it, the nature of business is with any game. Yeah. Is it? It's unpredictable. And like I've walked into days where, you know, I've walked in and there've been big lawsuits sitting sitting there for me to handle yeah I've walked in and had a major government body pull accreditation tell 1200 clients that they've pulled accreditation not tell us that they've told 1200 clients <laughs> yeah. told those 1200 clients that they're not going to get their money back without consulting us and if you've ever seen the movie where one phone rings then the next phone rings then the lights <laughs> that's happened yeah we had 400 400 people ringing in the space of three hours to complain and bitch and I had a team of six Yeah. Um, and I've had that happen all and it was a beautiful shining day and I walked <laughs> in and then ring 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 and yeah. it took us an hour to work out what the fuck was going on Yeah. Um, and the whole time it, it's like bring it on yeah. like we've prepared for this moment this is what we've trained for how good is what we get to do Yeah. and it's the it's the shift from I have to do this to I get to do this yeah yeah but it's the like, life's 10% what happens to you and 90% of how you react to it yeah. like it's yeah. like that mantra just remember that and, you, and you're kind of rolling yeah. really 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 interested to hear your answer to this question mm-hmm. what is success to you? Um, oh wow 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 at the moment I sa- I, that's such a qualifying statement cause that's I, a great way to start it though yeah it will change and it has changed at the moment it's being really really proud of and it, it's pride in a very spiritual deep sense of, of gratitude to self. Sort of, I imagine there's a copy of me, like a clone of me who I'm deeply proud of. The way you can be proud of a partner or a sibling or that, yeah. that sense of like, you, you, you've done something amazing having that with myself like for big moments, little moments. You know, I was saying, you know, I, in my apartment, I, I, there's one piece of furniture that it's a shitty couch. I've had it for three years. I'm ready to get rid of it. Um, and when people come, like I love my apartment and that's the one thing people go, that's a weird out of place couch. <laughs> and I say to them, that's my shitty couch. Like I look at it and I go, I created a world where that could exist. Mm. That's, that, that's what it is right now. Awesome. Yeah. My next question was, what are you most proud of? So that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. What me. are you most ashamed of? Flip that. Yeah. Hmm. It's interesting, I'm, I'm such a follower of Brene Brown who talks about toxic shame. Yeah. Um, that's one of the things I've, I've really worked to let go of. Well, 
I'm most ashamed of where I took out my anger at myself on other people. And, you know, people listening to this, I, I believe will resonate with this, is that to be listening to this conversation, A, we have to be privileged, but B, we, we tend to have to be smart. Mm. doesn't mean intellectually smart all the time. Just aware. Aware. Yeah. And with awareness comes power over people. And people like, people like, like me and generally people who listen to conversations like this tend to be pretty switched on with people and so you know I was a very very good manipulator for a very long time I was able to nothing nothing that is like crazy controversial yeah but being able to get what I want because I could speak well or had a level of inner strength that that's something that I will you know I'm working to first forgive me and then I'll move on to having conversations with people who, who I feel are owed apologies yeah but that's something that it is until I clear it and I may never and I've had to become okay with that because you know I, I, I love this idea of dying without regret uh, I, I think it's dangerous because mm. um, I, I think, think there's only one time in your life you're going to be able to active, actually figure out whether you are going to die of regret or not and it's a really easy thing for people to say oh, I have no regrets yet yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah or you're just that not you know honest of. with yourself enough to actually say you know what I regret, I regret that yeah. or you don't know it's a regret yeah yeah, yeah. just like it's just like the pain like pain in my back was, my, was probably created years ago mm. my body was just super good at covering it up yeah because it's a good which, system which, but it is it's, that's yeah. exactly it like our, our body is incredibly good at manipulating itself to not be in pain yeah but eventually it'll stop finding ways to do so and so will we when it comes to regret yeah and it'll come up so that that would be that would be why it's, it's that I used the privilege I have of being, you know, having grown up in a like having parents who put me through a phenomenal education system, being exposed to great people. I used that privilege yep. to to hurt others. Yeah. If you could be go back to high school and implement some changes to the curriculum, what few subjects would you chuck into there? Mm. A few subjects. Man, I would change the way that we teach. I, I change the way we teach health and fitness. Yeah. Purely as a result of, like, I'm in the beginning forays of my journey into it. It was probably only mid this year that I went, fuck, this is a thing that yep. I need to do. Um, but I would dramatically change the way we talk about it. Um, you know, I'd implement so much more holistic health. You know, my, when people say, because people, my ability to handle more in business, which is just my area, has grown exponentially in the last six months. It's had to because we've gone through challenges, but it's, yeah. it's also happened because mostly I have the energy and mental clarity to take care of it. You know, I've been playing with things like hot and cold immersion, um, which is another thing straight from Jack D. Um, the great nutrition, hydration, which yeah. is the thing that nobody fucking tells you. When 70% of your body's water, like guys, it's probably important that you have uh, have optimum hydration so that everything, everything can work well. Yeah. If you, you know, drive your car without enough oil or enough water or enough petrol, it's going to stop working eventually. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's Putting food into my body that is, like, that is food. <laughs> yeah. Objectively, that is food most of the time. Um, all of those little, like, holistic health, not, and again, not a medical professional. This is, this is just an opinion, personal belief, blah, blah, blah. Disclaimer. Um not immediately defaulting to what can I take to avoid what pill can I take to avoid what caused this yeah doesn't mean I don't believe in medicine um what it is though is it, it I'd rather not react mm. you know how many Panadol can I take to get rid of this headache yeah because it's but it's not a headache it's just, why do I have a headache well it's because I haven't drunk enough water I haven't had 
appropriate nutritionist because I well I slept four hours last night like mm. it's yeah it's a, it's a really simple one but people miss that holistic holistic thing and for anyone that has listened to a few of these I would have mentioned the our holistic wellness scale a bunch of times just it's, mm. are you ticking these 10, 10 12 boxes if not fix it mm. like it's a simple one he immediately goes to write that down <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll send I'll send you a little form it's a really simple one it's just rate 12 I think I think I've changed it it used to be 10 and now it's 12 12 areas of your life rated out of 10 yeah. 10 being perfect 1 being shit house mm. anything but anything below a 7 what do we need to do to fix it like yeah. what's the one action point so if it's sleep get off your phone before you go to bed mm. if it's hydration carry a water bottle with you and have three bottles a day like that's your, that's your goal mm. and it's just simple stuff like that the, the second thing I'd add in fact that's cool the second thing I'd add into schools I don't know if it's a I, I would change the way we teach teachers mm-hmm you know, um, there are some wonderful European models where teaching is seen to be the biggest privilege career-wise, and I fucking love that. Yeah, you have to have a master's degree. Again, it's not about the education; it's about the the value we place on yeah. educators. Yeah, I had phenomenal teachers, and I know people who didn't, and I know what a big difference that made. Huge difference. In ter- not in terms of what they knew, it was in terms of who they were. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And what they made okay, yeah. and what they validated and what, what they were able to share, you know, how human they were. I'd make it, I, I would desperately, you know, I, I wanted to become a teacher and still to an extent do. Um, but you are, effect, like effectively, you're just, you're just not teaching kids in a classroom. Like. Yeah, and it's one, you know, one of the things this year, there are two sort of additions I want to make to my life this year. One is to um, work with Lifeline and become a, um, become a crisis counsellor with them and one is to go and work with some youth mentoring programs because I truly believe that we don't need more corrective education yep. we need more validation of what is I wish people told me that anger was okay and yeah. instead of don't talk to me like that mm. or um, that sadness was okay instead of boys don't cry Yeah. or back to anger you know girls don't get angry you know, all of these messages that through no fault except more conditioning 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 yeah. we, we teach kids still mm. Mm. simple who do you look up to and why give me one person I'm sure you could tell me a bunch. It's interesting. It's interesting to say that I struggle with it. You know, not because not because I don't think they're amazing people, but because I I, had, I stopped looking a little while ago. Who I look up to? I very much look up to some incredible women. Um, Brene Brown, absolutely, takes a lot of guts to have the conversation that she's having um, about toxic shame. Yeah. Um, Michelle Obama. <clears throat> Um, a hugely strong woman who's living her values um, yeah those, those two women are two people I very much look up to awesome do you have a mantra? no I don't I have I have a question I ask myself all the time mm-hmm. I, like a, a question I come back to as a, as a grounding moment which is like is this nourishing and fulfilling me? good is this adding to me or is this taking away from me? They're two incredible words. Yeah. Like the nourishment and fulfillment just in all areas of your life. I've tried to move away from happiness. Mm. That's just to say I don't want to be happy. You know, it's, I'm, I'm not stoic. It's it's a level of it doesn't have to be that all the time. Mm. And it can still be okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. What advice would you give 15-year-old version of yourself? Don't grow up so fast. <laughs> you really don't have to. Um, it's, it's mind-blowing to think that was only seven years ago. Yeah, fucking tell me about it. <laughs> I, I forget. I, I, I say I'm a 22-year-old uh, trapped on the outside of an 80-year-old. Um, <laughs> g- grow up less. 
yeah. will need to grow up less. You know, the more the more acceptance I have around the fact that I know very little in the scheme of things, mm. the more happy I am with where the world's going and where I'm going with it. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. If you could invite three people to dinner, who would they be and why? <sighs> question. Yeah. Um, Oprah. Good. Why? Because I, I, I believe she has one of the most pragmatic, applicable, relevant conversations around living spiritually and connecting with, 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 the, with the, and again, I'm not religious, but with the God inside you. Um, and she's a, a wonderful example of, of what it can mean to overcome true resilience. Barack Obama, because I believe is, he went through one of the most challenging leadership trials and tribulations ever mm-hmm. um, and man I'd love to pick his brain about about leading and yep. what and what leadership is when people don't agree with you yep mm. Mm, 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 Matthew <laughs> and it's a balance between Brene Brown yep and Elon Musk, and I think it goes to Musk just because you know it wouldn't have been about three days ago. But I read an article um, interviewing him because he's been doing a round of interviews recently about why he does what he does. And his answer was to be useful. <laughs> Shit. And I went, fuck, that's deeper than I care to. <laughs> yeah. Care <laughs> three words to be useful. That just whoosh, straight down to be that's useful. Cool. All of that. Yeah. To be useful. There's so much to unpack there. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that, that's an amazing answer, and he's he's just next level. He's insane. All right, last couple. I want yep. a bunch of favourites. First thing that comes in your head. Yep. Okay. Favorite fun fact. Favorite fun fact. Um, oh, squirrels forget where they hibernate. When when squirrels hibernate, they forget where they place ninety percent of their nuts. Oh, really? How fucking good is that? <laughs> they forget, but they that know. Sucks. But unlike goldfish, they know they've forgotten. Okay. Well, that's almost, that's probably worse. It's worse. Yeah. Ignorance is worse when it comes to comes to things like that. <laughs> Your favourite resource for new information? Uh, it seems cliche, but people who've walked that walk before. Yeah. Good, good. Cliches are things for a reason, though. Yes, so. it's accurately said. Also Fair cliches. Yeah, great place. That's, that's, great yeah. resource. Cliches are the best. Favourite movie? God, I hate this question. Um, oh, my goodness. I really don't... I'm, I'm First thing that comes in your head, go. God, I'm not having a stroke. I'm <laughs> having a stroke. Um, <laughs> God help. The ones that came to mind were so silly. Um, Doesn't matter. <laughs> Shawshank Redemption. Oh, great movie. Yeah, yeah, just. You just uh, jumped on IMDb and checked what was at the top and went, you know what that'll do? What was that or Saw 3? <laughs> which, okay, which is not the philosophical yes, answer. Let's stick to your first answer. <laughs> uh, favourite, this is a two-part question, favourite favorite music to listen to, one, when you want to relax and two, when you want to pump yourself up? When I want to relax, jazz. Good. I love jazz. Evening jazz. Um, and when I want to pump myself up, uh, um, it, Whitney Houston or Celine Dion <laughs> good yeah. you and Cam would get on great scary thought <laughs> <laughs> favourite book now this would be the hardest one for you to quantify I reckon yeah it is to pick one it is 
Um, I'll, I'll do fiction and non-fiction. Fiction, The Book Thief by Marcus Suzak. Um, just a stunning, stunning story. Uh, it just like, it's the, it's the only book I've ever sobbed for. Sobbed for. Um, because it is a beautiful articulation of what it means to be a young person going through any kind of challenge. So fiction, The Book Thief, Marcus Susak, great movie as well. Um, and then non-fiction, at the moment, it'd be Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown. Awesome. Yeah. Love your work. Last one, favourite mm-hmm. quote. Well, again, there's the answer that will sound very philosophical and the answer that won't. Um, the answer that is very philosophical is um, to know and to not do is to not know. Good. Uh, and the not so one is uh, do or do not, there is no try. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Mate, thank you very much for this. This was outstanding. Absolute pleasure. You're a king. Thank you so good much. From you. I know you guys can't hear that handshake, but we handshake. <laughs> we, we shook hands. It was a good one. <laughs>